Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the MetaBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of peritonsillar abscess found under the pediatric section at MetBullets.com. Let's begin with a clinical snapshot. A 13-year-old boy presents with a sore throat, difficulty swallowing, inability to fully open his mouth, trismus, drooling, and a quote-unquote hot potato voice. Visual inspection of the back of the throat demonstrates deviation of the uvula to the contralateral side. Let's continue with an introduction to peritonsillar abscess. Remember that this refers to infection of the oropharynx secondary to untreated and or long-standing tonsillitis, and it surrounds the tonsil and extends onto the soft palate. In terms of the epidemiology, this typically occurs in children usually above the age of 10. With regards to the pathogenesis, it is caused by group A strep in most cases. Other pathogens may include Staph aureus, strep pneumoniae, and anaerobic bacteria. Moving on to the presentation, symptoms will include vocal changes, sometimes referred to as a quote-unquote hot potato voice, drooling, difficulty swallowing, and limited oral extension. On exam, one may note torticollis, displacement of the affected tonsil medially and laterally, deviation of the uvula to the contralateral side, which is not seen in epiglottitis and can be used to differentiate both diseases, and cervical lymphadenopathy, which is key in differentiating from retropharyngeal abscess. In terms of further imaging, it may be helpful in specifically identifying an abscess collection, though it is usually not required for making the diagnosis. In terms of further studies, a culture may be obtained in order to identify the responsible pathogen. With regards to the differential, make sure to think about retropharyngeal abscess as well as tonsillitis. Remember that hemorrhagic tonsillitis can occur as a complication, and it presents with tonsillar bleeding and requires cauterization if it is mild. In terms of the diagnosis, remember that this is based primarily on clinical observations. With regards to treatment, Prevention can be accomplished by identifying and treating tonsillitis before it progresses to an abscess. Surgical intervention options include a needle aspiration, which is indicated in all cases for resolution. Another option is an incision and drainage. This may be necessary if incomplete resolution occurs after a needle aspiration. Another option is a tonsillectomy. This is sometimes indicated in combination with an IND. And another option is antibiotics. These may be required for complete resolution of the infection. Complications related to peritonsillar abscess include respiratory obstruction and difficulty swallowing. And lastly, with regards to prognosis, remember that this is very good to excellent with early diagnosis and treatment. Now that we've discussed the major points related to peritonsillar abscess, let's walk through some questions to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For the first question, Consider the following clinical scenario. A 27-year-old man presents to the emergency department with a fever and a sore throat. He states that his symptoms started three days ago and have been gradually worsening and have progressed to coughing up small volumes of bright red blood. He is now having trouble swallowing solids. He has tried using lozenges to control his symptoms with no improvement. His temperature is 101 degrees Fahrenheit or 38.3 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 134 over 94. Pulse is 89 beats per minute. Respirations are 15 breaths per minute. 
and oxygen saturation is 98% on room air. Physical exam is notable for cervical lymphadenopathy that is tender to palpation. Inspection of the oropharynx reveals tonsillar hemorrhage with exudates. The patient is speaking in full sentences and is requesting pain medications. Which of the following is the next best step in management? And the answer choices are Choice 1. Amoxicillin clavulanate Choice 2. CT of the neck with contrast Choice 3. Intubation Choice 4. Silver nitrate cauterization Or Choice 5. Tonsillectomy The best answer to this question is Choice 4. Silver nitrate cauterization this patient is presenting after several days of a fever and a sore throat, suggesting a possible diagnosis of pharyngitis or tonsillitis that has progressed to hemorrhage from the tonsils, suggesting a diagnosis of spontaneous tonsillar hemorrhage. Given the patient is stable and protecting his airway, as evidenced by him being able to speak in full sentences, cauterization can be attempted with silver nitrate. Spontaneous tonsillar hemorrhage can be a life-threatening complication of tonsillitis status post-surgery, peritonsillar abscess, mononucleosis, or tonsillar malignancy. It presents with tonsillar bleeding, and the most important initial step in management is to ensure that the patient is protecting the airway. Any patient who cannot protect their airway or who has profuse bleeding should be intubated. Stable patients with minimal bleeding can be initially managed with silver nitrate cauterization, epinephrine injections, or suture ligation of the bleeding. If the bleeding is very minor and appears to be self-limited, observation and antibiotics may be the only management needed. If malignancy is suspected or repeat episodes occur, then tonsillectomy may be indicated. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Amoxicillin clavulanate is the appropriate management of tonsillitis, which likely is the predisposing etiology of this patient's spontaneous tonsillar hemorrhage. Though antibiotics may be needed to treat the patient's symptoms, it is more important to first stop the bleeding that this patient is experiencing. Choice 2. CT of the neck with contrast would be useful to identify a soft tissue abnormality such as an abscess or phlegmon. However, it would not be needed in the spontaneous tonsillar hemorrhage which can be confirmed visually. Choice 3. Intubation may be needed. However, this patient's normal vitals and ability to speak in clear sentences suggest that his airway is currently protected. Choice 5. Tonsillectomy may be needed emergently if the bleeding cannot be stopped or if the patient is unable to protect their airway. Tonsillectomy would occur after intubation. However, first attempting to cauterize the bleeding may spare the patient from this procedure if they are currently stable. Finally, a bullet summary. Stable patients with a spontaneous tonsillar hemorrhage who can protect their airway should have the bleeding cauterized with silver nitrate, epinephrine injection, or suture ligation. For the second question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 17-year-old male presents to the emergency department with a three-day history of sore throat. He reports that the sore throat seems to be getting worse and is starting to affect the character of his voice. He also endorses headache and decreased appetite secondary to difficulty swallowing. The patient's past medical history is significant for infectious mononucleosis one year ago, which he reports is fully resolved. He denies any recent sexual activity. 
Several of his friends at school have also been ill recently. His temperature is 102.4 degrees Fahrenheit, or 39.1 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 119 over 83. Pulse is 107 beats per minute, and respirations are 18 breaths per minute. On physical exam, you note that the uvula is deviated. He has cervical lymphadenopathy, and he speaks with a muffled voice. CT of the head and neck with contrast demonstrates a ring-enhancing fluid collection between the tonsillar capsule and the superior pharyngeal constrictor muscle. Which of the following is the best next step in management? And the answer choices are... Choice 1. MRI of the head and neck. Choice 2. Incision and drainage. Choice 3. Needle aspiration. Choice 4. Oral antibiotics. Or choice 5. Intravenous antibiotics. The best answer to this question is choice three, needle aspiration. This patient presents with fever, sore throat, muffled voice, tonsillar swelling with deviation of the uvula, and evidence of a fluid collection on CT, which suggests a diagnosis of tonsillitis that has become complicated by a peritonsillar abscess. The best next step in management is needle aspiration. A peritonsillar abscess can develop as a complication of tonsillitis and presents with fever, sore throat, drooling, a muffled hot potato voice, dysphagia or odynophagia, and trismus. Physical exam may demonstrate asymmetric tonsillar swelling, deviation of the uvula to the contralateral side, and unilateral cervical lymphadenopathy. Although the diagnosis of PTA can be made clinically, CT may be used in patients who are toxic appearing or have signs of neck involvement to rule out deep space infection. If imaging rules out deep space infection, needle aspiration of the PTA should be performed for source control. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. MRI of the head and neck would not be necessary following a CT that demonstrates no evidence of deep space neck infection. Choice 2. Incision and drainage may be performed if needle aspiration fails to completely resolve the abscess. Because incision and drainage is more painful and typically causes more bleeding, needle aspiration is preferred as initial management. Choice 4. Oral antibiotics are not appropriate initial management of a peritonsillar abscess. Following needle aspiration, the patient should be treated with intravenous antibiotics until his fever resolves and he clinically improves. Choice 5. Empiric intravenous antibiotics should be initiated in this patient following needle aspiration and continued until the patient shows clinical improvement. Ampicillin sulbactam or clindamycin are first-line agents. Finally, a bullet summary. Peritonsillar abscess is best managed with needle aspiration of the abscess followed by intravenous antibiotics. For the third question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 12-year-old boy presents with a fever and a sore throat. He is generally healthy. However, he has had a sore throat that he states has required drainage three times in the past several weeks. His symptoms keep recurring several days later. Otherwise, the patient is not currently taking any medications and he is up to date on his vaccinations. His temperature is 100.5 degrees Fahrenheit or 38.1 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 104 over 64. 
Pulse is 115 beats per minute. Respirations are 22 breaths per minute. And oxygen saturation is 98% on room air. Physical exam is notable for swelling of the right tonsil with exudates and a deviated uvula to the left. Which of the following is the most appropriate treatment for this patient? And the answer choices are Choice 1. Amoxicillin Choice 2. Penicillin Choice 3. Incision and drainage Choice 4. Needle aspiration Or choice 5. Observation and reassurance The best answer to this question is Choice 3. Incision and drainage this patient is presenting with a sore throat, fever, and deviation of his uvula suggesting a diagnosis of peritonsillar abscess, or PTA. In the setting of a recurrent PTA, incision and drainage is appropriate. Peritonsillar abscesses occur primarily in young adults. This condition most often follows a group A streptococcal pharyngitis infection and exudative tonsillitis. The abscess is polymicrobial and generally presents with a fever, malaise, sore throat, dysphagia, and otalgia. On physical exam, the patient may have trismus and a muffled voice, classically called a quote-unquote hot potato voice with a deviation of the uvula. Management options that are appropriate include aspiration, incision and drainage, and antibiotics. In the setting of a recurrent peritonsillar abscess that is refractory to needle aspiration, incision and drainage and antibiotics may be indicated and have a lower recurrence rate of infection. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Amoxicillin offers insufficient treatment of PTA. After the PTA has been drained, which is a mandatory step in management, antibiotics that could be appropriate include clindamycin, amoxicillin clavulonate, and penicillin with metronidazole. Choice 2. Penicillin also offers insufficient treatment of a peritonsillar abscess. After the peritonsillar abscess has been drained, which is a mandatory step in management, antibiotics that could be appropriate include clindamycin, amoxicillin clavulonate, and penicillin with the metronidazole. Choice 4. Needle aspiration can be an appropriate method to drain a peritonsillar abscess. However, it is less appropriate given the multiple recurrences of this patient's peritonsillar abscess. Choice 5. Observation and reassurance is appropriate management of a viral pharyngitis, which presents with a low-grade fever, minor dysphagia, and an absence of exudates. Finally, a bullet summary. The treatment of a peritonsillar abscess that is refractory to aspiration is incision and drainage. That's all for this review about peritonsillar abscess. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts.
It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here, on the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast.